0: Was the dead won't bother me. It's the living you got to worry about. Some, if I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons.
1: Welcome to the Bad Taste Crime Cast. Your home for Olympic coverage this year. I'm Vicky. I'm the last day. I'm the last day. <laughs> <Chanel>. <laughs> You know what? We've been here this whole time reporting from Pyeongchang. Pyeongyang. Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang. <laughs> not really. It you feels can't like we not say been. that with an accent. I mean, I think you can, because no, no. it might be a little offensive if you... It's not offensive if I that's mean, how it's said. <laughs> yeah, but if you over-exaggerate... All you right. know me. Well, <laughs> it feels like we should be in Pyeongchang because it's like fucking negative 20 bazillion
0: degrees yeah. how outside many, how many here? inches? Well, I think it's over a foot now of snow that we got.
1: Gross. It's a lot. Driving here was like real scary. I was like,
0: do I really need this podcast? <laughs> is this worth, is it worth my it? life?
1: <laughs> yeah, it actually wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, welcome back to the show, guys. If this is your first time listening, a special hello to you. We've got a great, <laughs> great show. We're probably going to be talking yeah. about one of my all-time favorite things that happens every four years for each sport. Every two, I mean, if you count I like it. You
0: say every four years, no, I was
1: like we for here? every two, no, every two <laughs> years, alternating summer and winter. That's right. It's the Olympics. <laughs> like, didn't we just say this already? No. Yes. I, it is the Olympics. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I'm very. I am a big. It's probably my favorite sporting event ever. Because it's like so many sporting events all curled into one and it's country curled. Country v country. Yeah,
0: curled. I love curling. Yes.
1: We were talking it's about like that brother and sister team from Wisconsin. Repping. Mm. Can
0: someone give me like a giant poster of them to put on my wall, please?
1: That's your mission. <laughs> so you can aspire to be world. curlers. I yes. feel like curling is one of those sports that doesn't have like an age limit on it. You know mm. what I mean? Like you can be like 40 as long as and you curling can sweep. Still. You can curl. And like not fall on your ass on the ice. <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, So we are going to get into that in a minute. But first, let's head over to the newsroom.
0: So our
1: news this week comes from Lynnwood, Washington, and be warned, this is a real gruesome story. Right, right. Yes. So, a 19-year-old man named Brian Roberto Varella raped Alyssa May Nacida. 18, as she was dying from a drug overdose. Oh, God. Um, and then to top it all off, he took photos and texted them to his friends to like brag about his conquest. This is why
0: I don't want to have children.
1: And <laughs> then used her thumbprint to like get into her phone.
0: The fuck?
1: At some point. Yes. Yeah, they got together to party. Apparently, this uh, Brian Varela is a known drug dealer, Mm. and they got together. They snorted a bunch of Percocets, and they also did what's called dabs—not the dance move, but the drug. Yes, it's basically like um, concentrated liquid THC Mm -hmm. that you burn on hot metal. Kind of, yeah. Or, sh- what's the other one? Shatter called? is like the... A crystallized stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There
0: isn't... Oh, I just listened to a podcast about a guy who literally does this, and it's like when you take a huge, huge hit of a dab, and they call it something else, but it's really gross-sounding. Oh, jeez. <laughs> It'll come to me later, and I'll just be like, ah! <laughs> yeah. So, he
1: watched her dying from a drug overdose and then raped her and sent pictures to his friends like the class act he is sad story um he obviously got arrested he's currently got his bail set at five hundred thousand dollars he was charged with manslaughter homicide by controlled substance and second
0: degree rape oh Homicide-controlled substance. I yeah. I don't, don't hear that very much. It's,
1: I think it's a charge that's being used a lot more as. Because of the opioid ad- epidemic. Right. Like, so. We've
0: actually had quite a few cases around here where people who have sold drugs to somebody, somebody were getting um, arrested and sent to jail because that person right. overdosed and died. So. Yeah.
1: And I think that would be like that same charge. Yeah. Um, that's pretty
0: good, though. Hopefully that'll kind of like. Well, it's an attempt to curb sales yeah
1: yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) so that's our sad news story for today yeah fuck that guy hopefully he gets what
0: he deserves in the butt (sighs) oh oh my
1: oh oh (laughs) um next up we got netflix and kill spoiler alert we're going to be talking about stuff you might not have watched yet. And in, like me. in <laughs> our Grand Olympic theme, we mm-hmm. are going to talk about Icarus this week.
0: Oh. Have you
1: watched this yet? I watched part of it, yes. Okay, I'm about three quarters of the way through
0: okay, it. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, about halfway
1: um so when brian fogel sets out to uncover the truth about doping in sports a chance meeting with a russian scientist transforms his story from a personal experiment into a geopolitical thriller involving dirty urine unexplained death and olympic gold exposing the biggest scandal in sports history uh if you don't know what we're talking about we're talking about the big russian doping scandal yeah i mean duh. um the big reason <laughs> yeah the big re- reason mm-hmm. that they were not allowed to walk under the russian flag this year um and if you guys watched opening ceremonies you probably saw them come in under the olympic athletes of russia flag mm-hmm. oar and um it's a bit crazy it kind of it definitely seems he sets out to basically Uh, try a doping regimen himself Mm. to prove how um, you can beat the tests that they do to catch the doping athletes. Mm -hmm. And it kind of turns into this um, it it, just the timing, I think, of when he was doing this was right around the Rio Olympics. And that was when the first allegations came out and the IOC Mm. started investigating and It was kind of at the height of when all of this was happening, he was in the middle of working with a gentleman who was a director of one of the labs that does the testing for WADA, which is Mm -hmm. the World Anti-Doping Association. Mm -hmm. So it is crazy. It's really good.
0: Um, I I feel like Russia and China are always the ones that are, like, trying to be sneaky about everything. Yeah. Because there was not too long ago, in one of the Summer Olympics, where they had this huge thing um, about the ages of some of the gymnasts in, in the, the Chinese team. And they were right. like, are these motherfucking children? Yeah. Are-? And then there was one of them who was, like, way past the age that they were supposed to be. I think that was a Russian gymnast. It's like, yeah. what
1: Well, are doing? and I feel <laughs> like a lot of times it's in these cultures that put a very big, big emphasis on like doing the best for your country i mean mm-hmm. not saying that we don't in the u.s but it's like a different kind of honor
0: yeah thing i think and also like to dominate in that kind of like sport light is like oh look at me you know right we're better than the united states we're a superpower yeah you know, kind yeah
1: yeah So definitely check it out. Um, It's the way it's filmed that it feels like it's happening in real time. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like it's a bit intense, but if you have the time, check it out. It's so good, Um, very informative. Mm -hmm. If you want to be up to date on the world of Olympic sports,
0: yeah. Which I mean, we do do that with not just Olympic sports too. Like, I know that in professional wrestling they say that oh we test our athletes and everything like that but if it's that easy to fool a test at an olympic level i for sure would think that people who do professional wrestling could easily fool that test right
1: yeah i mean i feel like there's so many backup channels too it's like how much can you put in place that people (laughs) are just gonna trick and find
0: a new kind of drug that's not on the list to be tested you know yeah, exactly.
1: So, check that out on Netflix. Uh, this is the part of the show where we say content may not be appropriate for all listeners. Actually, yours probably more than mine. Uh, a little bit, but it's not too bad. It's actually not too bad, yeah. not too not bad gory, this week. There's already. yeah, there's not really any gory details. Maybe some language, but that comes with I the mean, podcast. Listen to
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> right when don't I drop f bombs?
1: And now is the time where I weave you a tale with
0: my words. Yeah, yours is kind of fun. a word picture. I mean, well, maybe not fun for the person involved, but it's a fun story. Yes, yes,
1: <laughs> it's a story about two people who were locked in a battle to be the best in
0: the world, even though neither of them were. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true. <laughs> one of them was named Nancy, and the other one was named Tanya.
0: Dun, dun, dun. That's right.
1: <laughs> I'm talking about Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. And I realize this isn't, like, as intense as our normal stuff, but mm-hmm. like I said, I'm a huge lover of the Olympics, and this is probably in my top five of all time, like, Olympic controversies. Yeah. Crazy. I not mean to it,
0: mention that it was like the most
1: like publicized, I would say. Oh yeah, totally salacious and like mm-hmm. uh you could you really could not write this stuff, honestly. Mm-hmm. It have was you seen a the soap drum. The what? The tanya I haven't, but I if I have. can wrangle a little bit. <laughs> um, I actually went to college with one of the guys who was in that movie. Oh yeah? Yeah. His name is Paul Walterhauser. Okay. Um and we were like I didn't know him too too well we were like acquaintances and kind of ran in some of the same circles, um but yeah he was I saw like posts on Facebook that he was at like the SAG Awards and I thought good on you like what yeah no it looks great it <laughs> yeah. looks it's this like it dark really comedy mm-hmm. basically about Tanya Harding's life and and I think the, it makes
0: you sympathize her with a little more
1: yeah there was a documentary I should have looked it up for this because I forget what it's called now but that was really good that was her um basically telling her side of the story mm-hmm. um and i feel like nancy kerrigan you almost don't
0: hear from at all no and from like the things that i've read about her she's kind of a bitch
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and, <laughs> and that you definitely came out after bad. all yeah, you of this happened don't feel bad
0: that she got bashed right
1: <laughs> so okay so let's start off i'm gonna start off with a little background so we'll start with nancy kerrigan she was born in massachusetts in 1969 and she was the youngest of 3 and she was the only girl in her family and she was kind of like forced to tag along with her brothers to the ice hockey rink mm-hmm. while they did that and by the age of 6 it she made this kind of like obvious transition into figure skating because she was spending so much time at the rink anyway um, but she didn't start private lessons until the age of eight and then went on to win her first competition at the Boston Open at age of nine. And if you've ever like been involved in any type of club sport... Um, you know, stuff like that is not cheap at all. I mean, no. it's so
0: expensive. Hockey um, is fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. Bo was telling me how much his parents spent and he did hockey for a year. And I was like, that's not fucking worth it. Yeah, it's not,
1: it's not cheap. And the Kerrigan family was pretty, like, they lived pretty modestly. And sometimes her dad would have to work, uh, three jobs to just mm-hmm. fund this skating career. So, over to Tanya, she was born in Portland, Oregon, in 1970, and she began skating a little earlier at the age of three, and the Harding family was kind of this, like, outdoorsy type of family. During her childhood, she did a lot of hunting, and she drag raced and (laughs) learned a lot about automotives from her father, and... Tanya herself often describes kind of a less than ideal relationship with her mother and she has claimed over the years that she was abused by her mom quite frequently Um, there was one instance that Lavanna, her mother admitted to um, hitting her once at a skating rink but said that she kind of did the best that she could as a mom Mm -hmm. Um, Lavanna, it seemed in my research was kind of like the breadwinner of the family um, and she worked as a waitress and made all of Tanya's competition outfits oh, wow. and skating costumes because the family didn't really have extra money to buy the costumes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which the costumes are really fancy. Yeah,
0: very
1: fancy very things. Yeah. Sheer
0: panels and whatnot. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, it's also worth noting, too, that Tanya got married to her first husband, Jeff Giluli, in 1990, and the two got divorced in 1993 gonna be a little important later
0: yeah
1: <laughs> um so let's talk figure skating <laughs> so i love figure skating it's oh, so right. much fun to watch um it seems that tanya's career really started to build in the mid-1980s when she placed six in the u.s figure skating championships in 1986 Then she placed fifth in 87 and third in 89. So you definitely see this kind of upswing on her career. Her real shining moment was in 1991 when at the U.S. Championship she landed her first triple axel, which
0: is, you know, as far as the skating
1: world goes, that's what Mm -hmm. she's known for. She was the first. Um, She won a title with... That move, and was the first ever 6.0 score given to a single female skater for technical merit. She was able to complete this move again in 1991, and the world at the World Champions uh, Championships, becoming the first American woman to perform the triple axle at international competition. And I thought this was kind of interesting just for comparison. So a triple axel is when you jump in the air and you do three rotations. There's cer- mm. I mean there's certain all of these skating Full terms. Yes. Yeah, all of these skating terms are a little crazy cuz then they have things like triple Lutz and yeah. double toe loop and <laughs> yeah. Um. Sounds like they're just making it up. I know, I know.
0: The quadruple shamalama ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: the triple axel is a jump that male skaters actually normally perform during their mm-hmm. routines. It takes and a lot of speed. A lot of speed yeah. and a lot of upward momentum. Yeah. Um, and there's only eight females that have ever landed it in international competition. And Tanya is the first one to have done it. Mm-hmm. She completed a few more records. It's it is, it is. Um, She completed a few more records after this, but she, after 1991, she would never land another triple axel, which is a little depressing when you think about it. Um, and then after that, her results in competition really started this decline. Right. And she competed in the 1992 Winter Olympics in Alberville, France, where she finished fourth. So wasn't able to land on a podium. Um, Nancy's career, however, was a bit different. She, like I said, started skating a little bit later in life. And her national rankings, she was 12th in nineteen eighty eight, fifth in 89, and 4th in 1990. And her rise continued when she took third at the 1991 U.S. Championships and took bronze in the world championship where she became part of a record as well um in 1991 the at the world championship that was the first ever sweep of the women's podium by a single country hmm. the other two people on the podium you might also recognize <laughs> one was christy amaguchi mm-hmm. skates
0: very well who, remember that?
1: she's <laughs> sorry um one was christy Telling amaguchi <laughs> she took gold and tanya harding who took silver and then nancy kerrigan took bronze
0: <sighs> christy Yamaguchi is my favorite dude she is and Tara lipinski and mm. heart girl oh yeah <laughs> and i was
1: thinking the other day like man i really
0: know a lot of figure skater right? a lot more figure you never skaters than i do. i actually follow christy Yamaguchi on instagram do you <laughs> yes. is she still skating no, but she teaches little kids, and she has a, an organization to help like kids who can 't afford to figure skate to get like skates and stuff so that 's yeah. so cute she 's a philanthropist good for her <laughs>
1: um, Nancy then competed in the thousand nine hundred and ninety two Winter Olympics where she took home a bronze medal behind Christy Yamaguchi, who took the gold, and of course ahead of Tanya Harding, who took fourth. Um Following that, Yamaguchi retired from eligible competitions and Nancy became the U.S. champion. Although she really at the time wasn't considered a totally clean skater. Like right. a lot of the technical aspects she had challenges with. And then they changed how the scoring was done. And that problem kind of went away for her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, lucky for her, they changed yeah. it up in her favor, you know. Um, she still had a lot to improve on, and she kind of seemed to like stumble in competitions and after that, people talked about how her performances were kind of like dazed and depressed, like you could tell she had been training really hard and maybe was getting a little burned out. Um, she did, however, receive a shit ton of corporate sponsors, and she had Wheaties? people yeah, she had people <laughs> from Campbell Soup. Um, Evian and Reebok were three of the big ones, and she had tons of opportunities to perform professionally. But she kind of put all of that on hold in the run up to the 1994 Olympics, so that she could put, um, or so she could focus on her training. And she also began working with a sports psychologist to help her better, better handle her nerves and competition. Oh,
0: wow, I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: Yeah, athletes
0: get nervous sometimes. Yeah, but to have like that's like your specific. That's just, I don't know. Like, I'm going to school for sports psychology. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I know. There's,
1: I mean, there's niche jobs for everybody. I guess. So I realize that this last, like, I don't know, 20 minutes of me talking has been kind of like fangirling about (laughs) um, ice skating. We get it, Vicky. Like, figure skating. And how these, like, how well these people were doing. Um, But really the lives of these two women's were really important factors in this, in oh, yeah. the events that led up to the 94 Olympics. And it's really valuable to look at all these things to kind of understand how all of this stuff unfolded like it did, because both Nancy and Tanya had aspirations of Olympic gold. And it's clear that the two had this kind of like rivalry. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of came to a head right before the 1994 <laughs> Olympics. Um, so, I remember um, watching
0: the 94 Olympics, like at my great uncle's house and we were all just like,
1: just for the like soap opera-ness oh, yeah. of it. It was crazy. It was I went back crazy. and watched some of the old videos of some Ugh. of this stuff and was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so on January 6, 1994, Nancy was at a practice session at Detroit's Kobo Arena where she was heading for an interview. She had just literally walked off the ice and she kind of like walks into this back hallway when an unidentified white male wearing a black jacket and hat rushed the skater and bashed her knee with something that looked like a crowbar. So it was kind of described as something long, black, and hard. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah, well, wasn't planning on it, but that was yes. That was a quote from an article that I found. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I didn't write it. No. <laughs> um, so after he bashes her knee in, he runs out of the arena and even broke through a locked door to like get out of the arena. Is that meth strength? It's I'm yeah. Sorry. It's it's almost like Hulk like strength. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes. <laughs> I, could, yeah, I saw that and was like, oh my God, because the dude is like kind of a big guy from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a video taken in like the aftermath of all of this that is Her like,
0: screaming.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like a viral video before there were viral videos mm-hmm. to be had. And of course, I'm sure you've all have seen it. It's the video... So, she was recorded walking off the ice and into the back hallway, and then the next part of it is her on the floor crying, saying, why, why me, why me, why? It's very, like, holy shit. And then, (laughs) um, I am going to be sure to post this up on the website and probably our Facebook, the video of it, because... It also has the camera people, like, following security outside of the arena to, like, try and find this guy. And Mm. it's all this panic. I mean, it was, like, intense. Yeah. It was. And I remember that being all over the news. Nothing like
0: that has ever happened before. Like, that kind of sabotage. Yeah. Insane.
1: Um. Luckily, Nancy's leg was only bruised, but not broken, but it was severely bruised. Which is like, he can bust through
0: a door that was locked, but he can't wield a weapon hard break enough to break a
1: bone? Right. Explain this to me. Yeah. Um, It was really badly bruised, but... um, yeah. Other than that, no damage. She did have to withdraw from the national champions, however, as a result of the injury, because it was just too soon after right. for her to get back on the ice. Um, Tanya Harding went on to win the U.S. Championships, um, and this is the U.S. Championships is like the final competition before you go to the Olympics that the Olympic Committee uses to choose the athletes mm-hmm. to go. Uh, I also want to point out that just because you come in like first second or third doesn't necessarily yeah, yeah. mean you're going to go. Um, it's they kind of make their choices on a lot of different factors. Yeah.
0: They look at several different, like your your record, right?
1: Yeah. Um, so, due to extenuating circumstances, the U.S. Figure Skating Association decided to choose both Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan to send to the Olympics over the second place finish uh, finisher Michelle Kwan.
0: Oh, I forgot about Michelle Kwan. Yeah, oh my yeah.
1: God. So she, I don't that think, ended up going until the ninety eight Olympics. It would have been then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, who was this unknown guy that showed up and tried to knee-bash and didn't? Um, in what seemed to be this really bizarre plot that honestly could only happen in the movies, it's or, a, like, on TV... It is literally a soap opera.
0: Yeah. Um. That's literally, like, general hospital.
1: It was <laughs> so bizarre. A hitman named Shane Stant... <laughs> was hired by Tanya Harding's ex-husband, Jeff Gillooly and self-appointed bodyguard Sean Eckhart.
0: Just his name alone is Gil-lou-ly. like, I'm a douchebag. <laughs> Jeff, I'm a douchebag, Galuli. Galuli.
1: Galuli <laughs> uh, and Eckhart contacted Derek Smith and his nephew, Stant, who asked for $6,500 in return for breaking Nancy's legs in order to render her unable to compete in the 94 Winter
0: Olympics in Lillehammer. I'm guessing he didn't get paid since he didn't break her leg.
1: <laughs> um I don't think so because honestly, they caved really quick. I mean, I mean it have was you like seen their
0: faces? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. guilty
1: written all over it. <laughs> uh yeah. Well in sixty five hundred bucks it's like I mean, I guess in the nineties, how much was inflation like? I mean, would that be like worth a lot more or is that
0: Um I don't know, were we in a recession in 96? Probably not, that came later. I don't know. I don't know,
1: economics, bleh. Yeah, right? <laughs> I just feel like that's not a whole lot of money to I'm sure ask you could buy for, a like, breaking somebody's legs.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, houses were so cheap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this guy Stant. He was originally sent to Massachusetts to find Nancy at her like hometown training rink. And he kind of hung around and followed her around, but wasn't able to get her there. So he <laughs> followed her instead to Detroit, where he kind of just waited for the perfect opportunity. Uh, this, of course caused a media frenzy, and has been called one of the biggest scandals in American sports history by the New York Times. However, I was thinking about this the other day after I wrote all my notes and stuff and Mm -hmm. thought, I bet you it might not be anymore. Because now we've got, uh, like we talked about at the top of the show, the Russian doping scandal. There's the one that you are also going to talk about um, on this episode. That was a pretty big scandal. Uh, just recently, the Larry Nassar trial—that mm-hmm. is absolutely insane. Oscar Pistorius, Oscar Pistorius, Blades. killing, Blades. <laughs> killing his girlfriend or yeah. his fiance. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I would say that was pretty huge. But you also, I mean, but at the same, I don't think all of those had, during an Olympics. I would right, say most right. of these stories took place before or after.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um Nancy Kerrigan appeared on the covers of both Time and Newsweek in January 1994. They actually, as I was looking at this, uh, Newsweek ran two covers. One was Tanya Harding and one was Nancy Kerrigan. And it was like this, a lot of people try to get both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then TV crews were like flooding the practice arenas where Tanya was training and like staking out nancy kerrigan's house to just like try to get a glimpse of what i mean it was just a frenzy is the only way that i can describe it within a week after the attack smith turned himself into the fbi so like i said it probably wasn't even long enough for them to collect the money um he was almost immediately like the day a a few days after that, followed by Stant, who tur- then turned himself into the FBI. Um, authorities went to question Tanya on January 18th, and she denied any involvement in the whole thing. And on January 19th, the very next day, Tanya's ex husband, Gil was charged with conspiracy. Literally, every time you say his name, I giggle. I can't say it. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm so saying it as, ser- as seriously as I can. I know.
0: Like, change your last name, boy. um <laughs> <Get literally.
1: laughs> Um He was charged with conspiracy and really quickly after that turned on his former wife. Oh, my God. And so, with this new information. Is there no loyalty? <laughs> no, not in this. not uh. Not in figure skating. <laughs> no way. Um, so with this new information, authorities went back to Tanya, and she pretty quickly changed her story and admitted that she had discovered the plot in Giluli's role after the incident occurred, but failed to inform police. In the meantime both Nancy and Tanya are continuing to train for the 1994 Olympics and the U.S. Olympic Committee got together to decide if they should continue to allow Tanya to compete amongst all of this scandal and luckily for her, her legal team got together and successfully filed a lawsuit that prevented the committee from removing her from the team. So I guess if you got good lawyers uh, you can do anything. You could dream big. Um, The drama continued at the Olympics, where Tanya Harding had this very memorable breakdown, which is another, again, like one of these viral videos before it was viral videos. um, One of her skate laces broke right before her performance right before her Mm -hmm. her program and they are calling her to the ice and there are cameras on her backstage trying to relace her shoes and she gives she she they give her two minutes to get onto the ice and after all of this hoopla she goes onto the ice she starts the program. And she was supposed to start, her first jump was supposed to be a triple lutz, and she did a single. And right after that, she breaks down and starts crying and kind of has this whole big fit, goes immediately to the ref, and is kind of like, what can we do about this? I'm having a problem with my skates. Because basically, her skates were loose, and if you have loose skates, your ankle gets relief. yeah. Yeah. So they allowed her to start over, which kind of was a whole big thing because then they called the skater after her, and it like kind of wasn't fair to the skater after her Mm because she was. So anyway, that video I will also put up because it's a bit crazy. Yeah. Um. But by the time they let her start over, like the damage was kind of already done. Mm -hmm. Um. So Tanya ended up in eighth place. Mm -hmm. Nancy Kerrigan, who by this time had made a full recovery, took the silver medal home for the 1994 Olympics, which was awesome, right behind Oksana Bayul, who uh, she only lost by one-tenth of a point. Nuts. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of amazing that after all this crazy shit, she made a full recovery and took home the silver.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for
1: Nancy Kerrigan. Uh, Following the Olympics, Tanya Harding was charged with conspiring to hinder prosecution of the attackers, and she avoided jail time by pleading guilty on March 16th. She received three years probation and 500 hours community service, along with a $100,000 fine. She's also forced to withdraw from the 1994 World Figure Skating Championship and resign from the U.S. Figure Skating Association. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, bye. We don't want you anymore. (laughs) Um, The USFSA also conducted an independent investigation of the incident and then subsequently stripped her of her 1994 US championship title and banned her for life from participating or coaching in any USFSA run events. Damn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So although and of course, that's like the only place you can do anything competitively in figure skating in right. the united states. I mean, what can you do? Right. Nothing. Um and although th- this organization doesn't have control over like the non-competitive skating events, Tanya basically became blacklisted from the community. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to work with her, nobody wanted to hire her for anything. Nobody wanted anything At to do point, with her. At that point, like
0: all you can do is just be like a costume designer and change your name. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> or you could be like Tanya Harding who went to boxing, which yeah, <laughs> she had a brief boxing career that was kind of fun. Now she does things like I see her on sometimes like comedy shows. Sometimes there's like those comedy shows. Um, there's one that's on Spike all the time where they play the like videos, like the internet videos, and then mm-hmm. they have celebrities commenting oh, on yeah. them. She's on that a lot, and along with like Danny Bonaducci and like right. those kind of people, you know, Dirt stuff people. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know
0: the, the, the face make you made you you know. says it all. Yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, so both Tanya and Nancy had some controversy, like later on in life, like Tanya's sex tape that leaked. Oh my god, I hear all about that. Yeah, it was a sex <sighs> tape of leaked. her and That's her ex husband Jeff
0: Giluli. Giluli. Giluli, he, he was like, he, I want to give you some of this Galili. <laughs> Oh god, that's gross. Ugh. He leaked it to, to Penthouse. He's probably like really slimy and like snake like like <laughs> He is. he is he's gross I mean in the bedroom I Ew. didn't see the video <laughs> Ew. no
1: I mean I didn't either don't slither
0: on me bro <laughs> Uh. Uh-uh.
1: so he that was a whole big thing he released it to penthouse and penthouse released
0: it to the see, world I feel like uh, I don't know I feel like maybe she wasn't fully on board with everything that he did
1: you know what yeah. I mean <laughs> Yeah. Um, Nancy also had her moments like you said um, <laughs> you mentioned earlier that she kind of seems like a bitch yeah. a little bit well she, she had TV. this like a good girl image leading up to the to the 94 Olympics kind of this like you know like just super nice mm-hmm. um, she basically destroyed that in a number of events like um, temper tantrums what was it <laughs> she was waiting for it was that a another competition she was waiting for the gold medalist to go up to the podium and made some comment to her like oh why are we waiting for her she's just gonna cry anyway um because she was fixing her makeup Mm -hmm. and then there was an incident at a disney parade where she was on the float and she could be heard saying this is the cheesiest thing i've ever done this is the worst how humiliating kind of stuff which is, which like, I mean,
0: is not in the grand scheme of things like the worst no, thing a person could do. No, but you're a figure skater, and you're supposed to be like, don't say stuff within earshot of other yeah, people. You're supposed to be like, you know, inspirational for children. You're doing all these kids events. Like, save that for after the parade, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. So it was kind of, and I think um, after this whole attack. The media was either. kind of, well, the media <laughs> was kind of watching the two of them to see if they could pull out any more drama going mm-hmm. on and like milk it for all it's worth. So stuff like that is like gold to yeah. tabloids. But I mean, re- re- like, regardless of all of that, neither of them would really return to skating after 1994. Nancy Kerrigan did the pro circuit for a little bit, doing like shows and stuff. She mm-hmm. kind of did that for a little while and then didn't really do anything. Like I said, Tanya Harding went on to box for a little while and now she does the occasional TV appearance. and she go full-blown MMA? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on that train. That is, like, one of my all-time favorite <laughs> Olympic scandals, because you seriously cannot make that shit up. No. Like, that happened.
0: Do you think that she had full books. knowledge of what her ex-husband was going to do?
1: I don't know that she had full knowledge, but I do think that... She probably knew when she heard what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm sure when she heard that she was attacked by some guy, she probably thought, "Oh, well, that was blah 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 blah." And then found out later. Like, I definitely think she knew after the fact before mm-hmm. she told police. Yeah. Um. But I can't really say if she knew before or not.
0: I don't know. I feel like maybe. She might have talked about it jokingly, like, with mm. her husband, like, you know, if someone would just get rid of her, everything would be great, yeah. and maybe he did that as, like, a last-ditch effort to, like, win her back kind of thing. Well, and I think the media
1: definitely portrays her as kind of this cutthroat, will-do-anything-to-win um conniving kind of person, mm-hmm. so it's it's very easy to believe that she was in on all of it right but i think there is part of me that that doesn't think she was i think no. she knew about it after the fact for sure but i don't know that she was involved
0: before yeah, i don't get that feeling either yeah. i feel like she was like oh yeah. god i was kidding <laughs> yeah oops my <laughs> bad oh wow well. you know it's just sucky that like she got blacklisted from everything even though she you know they couldn't really prove without a doubt that she was involved. Yeah. 100%. But, I mean, she did say she was guilty, so... Yeah. And, yeah, I guess.
1: (laughs) And she could have, you know, this was like the first time something like this had happened to this scale in the United States. So it's entirely possible that the USFSA was using her as an example to... Say we're not going to stand for any of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. you can't you know it needs to be sportsman like, right. so uh. <laughs> I could see th- I could see that too yeah, yeah. all
0: right, so we had. We had Winter Olympics. Yes. Now we're going to do some Summer Olympics. Ah, uh, think warm thoughts. <laughs> yes. Think warm, warm thoughts. thoughts. We're not buried under 15 feet of snow. Oh my God. It's <laughs> Actually, the worst. It probably is like 15 inches of snow though. For yeah. Sure. Probably about ooh. that. Anyway, tell me now. Um, so I'm going to do a story involving amateur wrestling, which is not my favorite <laughs> ooh, kind ooh, la, la. of wrestling. Amateur? Yeah. I prefer professional. Oh. That's the TV wrestling. (laughs) Like the WWE wrestling. Yeah, like Stone Cold Steve and stuff. (laughs) John Cena. Yeah. You can't see me. Because of the microphone. Because of the microphone. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I kind of, like, I was telling Vicky, I made this list and I was like... Oh, there's so many really great, like Olympic things that happen, like bombings. And I thought about really hard doing that. Like, we mean plate. great in a manner
1: of speaking, like really
0: great stories, like yes. something that's yeah. like super intense, right? Mm-hmm. Like something good that you could like really tell a story. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mean like great that all these people died. It's great. No, it's, it's great. Like they bombed Atlanta. Oh man. <laughs> oh, we need our Coca Cola. Don't bomb Atlanta. Um, and our airports. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, and I really, was like got sucked into that story about the nineteen 1990- ninety or nineteen eighty eight Olympics in South Korea where they like exploded that plane, mm-hmm. and then obviously like all the terrorist stuff in the seventies. But I was like, I want to do something that's like weird. Okay, like a weird, I like
1: weird. Oh weird yeah, tale. And this is that this is a this weird is that. fucking story. This is another like I said, this is another one that's in my top five of yeah. like Olympic. Controversies, yeah. Of like what? Yeah, what the hell Ooh.
0: is this? Okay, so this is like the the Fox Catcher Farm murders, is what I dubbed it as. Foxtrot. Yeah, you call it the Foxtrot. The This is beautiful. So, um, on January twenty sixth of nineteen ninety six, uh, John Dupont, which is the heir to the Dupont chemical fortune, shot Olympic wrestler uh, Dave Schultz. At the Foxcatcher Farm facility. So, like, the headlines were, like, eccentric millionaire shoots Olympic gold medalist. But it's, like, once you start reading the whole story, you're, like, you fall into this rabbit hole of, like, the fuck happened it's i like, think what
1: <laughs> i think when you when you told me you were doing this i said that guy is a david miscavige level of crazy fucking
0: nuts even yeah. worse i think than david yeah. miscavige it's
1: just it's insane
0: if you look at his face you're like and bizarre who is this like right I don't even know, like, is he on crack and, like, yeah. just, like, a weird, skinny homeless very man? very bizarre. He doesn't look like a billionaire no. at all. No. Also, if you ever see pictures of him with his, like, smiling or his teeth are showing, they're orange. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, you have all the money in the world. Go to a fucking dentist. <laughs> <laughs> Use it for some good in your life. Yeah, goddammit. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. So... <laughs> Um Dave Schultz was a world champion freestyle wrestler and he was a seven-time Olympic medalist. He and his brother Mark Schultz were both like really really good amateur wrestlers. They won several awards. They both won um Olympic awards in 1984 in the Summer Olympics. Mm-hmm. Like they were amazing. They were like the top brother wrestling like team ever. Yeah. Um however, <laughs> It wasn't all like, you know, awesome sunshine and daisies. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So (laughs) during um, Dave's downtime from Olympic training, he would train other wrestlers at like college level. Um, You know, wrestling events and schools. Mm -hmm. And then eventually he would move into private uh, tutoring kind of uh, thing. And Schultz served as an assistant coach at the University of Oklahoma, Stanford, University of Wisconsin Madison. Like he was all over the place. All over. And kind of go wherever the work is and mm-hmm. whatever school's on top you definitely want to try and get in there um among many other u.s top wrestlers schultz trained 1996 olympic gold medalist kurt angle okay and um i really like professional wrestling and he is the first person to transition from amateur wrestling into professional wrestling and his whole shtick was like, I'm a gold medalist, and he would wear his Olympic gold medal oh my and goodness. people would chant because he was like real like a ham. They'd be like, You suck! You suck. <laughs> it's like Oh my just, god. His character was great. Jeez. If you if you have access to go back and see like old WWF WWE stuff, do it. And look <laughs> up Kurt Angle because you're just like what is happening yeah (laughs) um yeah so
1: i feel like i re i remember kurt angle more from pro wrestling than i do from the like i don't know that i realized he was actually an olympic medalist i
0: think there was only one other guy who just started in the WWE now who actually two because they were a team Mm -hmm. um these two guys they were both gold medalists in the olympics but you can definitely tell the difference between the guys who transitioned from amateur wrestling into professional wrestling because they have that, like, wrestler squat triangular body. Yeah. Whereas if you look at other professional wrestlers, they're all, like... I mean, if you're like, once everywhere. your Olympic
1: career is over, there's only so far promotions can take you like right? income wise. You professional gotta... wrestle
0: or train other amateur wrestlers. Right. Like, what else you can you do? You gotta figure out <laughs> some way to make that money. Yeah. You gotta make that cash flow. Just, you know, run around in a singlet for the rest of your life. I mean, the you glory could, days. but it would be real weird. Yeah. It'd be I just want to tell you I hate amateur wrestling because of the There's so... I know. I mean, Roman I get it, Greco but it's like wrestling is like stop touching each other's asses. Like literally that's all you do. <laughs> it's like butt touch. Yeah. Sweat and like nuzzle you each You really
1: got to be comfortable with your masculinity <laughs> I think to Gross.
0: Yeah. Let me tell you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and also like the amount of ringworm that wrestlers get I'm not okay with.
1: Dude, I can remember a guy <laughs> that we went to high school with getting cauliflower ear. Cauliflower ear. <laughs> I love the way you said that. What? Cauliflower?
0: No, you were like, cauliflower. I was like, it's very like, British. It cauliflower.
1: cauliflower. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it was like, ugh. Ugh, You God. have to get, like guys don't know... Really do you know like who it. I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I okay. do know who you're talking about. Okay. Um, you have to get slammed in the mat hard repeatedly for that to happen to your ear. And for someone in high school so at So does such that a just mean age, you're
1: a really awful
0: wrestler? It's then. like you stop getting you're your sunk. head slammed on the floor constantly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go off on a different rant. Uh, oh, so. man. <laughs> um... And let's back into the story. In the 1990s, uh, Schultz uh, worked as a coach for um, obviously DuPont's team Fox Catcher. Foxtrot- foxtrotter. <laughs> um, when Which trained at like this complex on DuPont's family farm in Newton Square, Pennsylvania. And this is like where it all began. This is where like the roller coaster of murder and mayhem and questionable sexuality happened. <laughs> Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, my. Um, so let's talk a little bit about John DuPont. Obviously eccentric, obviously a millionaire. Um, however, he was like, <laughs> like an idiot savant. Okay, so he was really awkward, probably on the spectrum, Yeah, which wasn't a thing back then. I, I always felt like he had that kind of like small man syndrome. Oh, kinda. for sure. If you look at him, mm-hmm. he's very tiny, a tiny mm-hmm. man. But he was really smart in certain areas. More in like the natural sciences, which is what he got a PhD in and he was like a really avid ornithologist, so he was like obsessed with studying birds. A what? Ornithologist? Ornithologist. That's like a person who like bird watches basically, okay. but like kind of uh I got my degree categorizes in bird species and things like that. Yeah. Um and he actually discovered over 2 dozen species of birds on a trip in the South Pacific. So he was very into this. He was very good at it. He was it, he was very like I don't know. His mind is kind of like categorical. And from what I read about him, he's very like put everything in the subset very organized, kind of almost obsessive compulsive.
1: He should have put together a bird watching team. <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> bird catcher bird catcher. <laughs> bird catcher bird catcher farms um that is uh what about good. bird trot yeah <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> it's like a slang term for bird poop Bird ah. trot. Blew. okay anyway <laughs> he also founded the delaware museum of natural history in 1957 and he was an <laughs> this is another thing this is why i thought he was like very weird he's a i'm gonna say this so wrong a philatelist Okay. And a conchologist. Conchologist. A conchologist. So a philatelist oh. is a person who's a stamp collector. Okay. They study, categorize and like they they're the ones who put together like the the book of stamp collecting. So he's a philatelist. F- sure. Whatever. <laughs> stamp guy. And a conchologist is someone who studies mollusk shells. So not the actual okay. organism. But they're homes. Okay. <laughs> so, very weird man, very obsessed with weird things. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Interesting
1: um, hobbies and yeah. wrestling. It also
0: kind of gives you, like, he was a nerd. Yeah. He was, like, Super nerd. Nerd. nerd alert. Yeah, he was a for-sure nerd, which is why it's fascinating that he all of a sudden became obsessed with wrestling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, after his mother died in 1988, he assumes stewardship of Leicester Farms. Uh, sorry, Leicester Farms. I read that wrong. <laughs> it's a weird name, but we that was her. We will hold it against Yeah, you. it was her maiden name, oh, and so okay. she named that farm after her family, obviously. Um, But he renamed it to Foxcatcher Farms after his father's famed thoroughbred racing stable. So his family was, it was weird. They had a bunch of, like, they were one of the largest uh, Guernsey dairy farmers in Delaware. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they moved over to Pennsylvania. They kept all their cows. They started doing horse racing. So they had a huge horse stable. It was just like a real, legit farm. Um, But there was also a huge manor, a tiny house, like all of these things on this estate. Um, But he never lived in the main house. He lived in his own tiny house on the estate. So it kind of gives you a clue as to like how this family worked. Like They weren't very together and they weren't very familial yeah, it
1: seems very like old money oh yeah like for sure like especially Mom and Dad when i started explaining things and when later. you become like a certain age you just have your own space on the family
0: property and, yeah they you were know. for sure like grossly old money yeah, yeah yeah you'll find out um so after she died he got to move into the main house and he maintained much of her work um on the horse farm and doing all the philanthropy and the cows and such. But then he's decided he wanted to build a wrestling facility to support um, the local wrestling group. And he put that on the farm, which was why he changed the name. And then he just like got super duper into it. He became like, um, he would put money into the United States Wrestling Association Mm -hmm. and like was trying to get in there to be like the number one supporter. Um, He he did try to become, like, an Olympian. He was an avid swimmer. He tried to become an Olympic wrestler, which if you look at him... He is, like, a very
1: scrawny kind of... Just like a stick. He's, like, a little guy. And from what I remember... Watching some of the videos that I've seen of him, he wasn't like super coordinated.
0: No, like, he was fumbly, bumbly, yeah. weird fucking nerdo. Like, yeah, not great at all. So, ugh. poor guy. Yeah, gross. Well, um, so DuPont started working closely with all these wrestling associations and Dave Schultz and his brother Mark. Uh, got involved with him because uh, DuPont offered Mark a job first and then eventually Dave got involved as well. Um, so Mark started putting together a team and the facility to kind of get wrestlers in there because he was a well known wrestler. He was, you know, an Olympic gold medal winner. Right. Um, eventually he left to pursue other teaching opportunities and that's when Dave came to take over work at the facility. So he also invited Dave to live on the property with his family in an extra house that they had just lying around because uh, there were a lot of those. Because <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, you know, so you have a couple extra houses in the back you can have. Yeah, this
1: pro- uh, honestly though, this property was
0: huge. It's, huge. it's so big. Um, so Dupont looked up to the brothers, in particular Dave, um, because they were really strong and very accomplished, and it was like everything that he wanted to be. He wanted to be a man's man, and you know he wasn't. Mm -hmm. So that's why he wanted to get involved with all this wrestling, because he felt like this was really helping to, like, get him out of his shell, kind of get him to work out a little bit, not be so, you know, frail and nerdy. Yeah. Um, But the thing is, Dave was kind of like, whatever about it. But Mark absolutely thought DuPont was disgusting. He was like in an interview he was like he was a disgusting slob he had puny arms <laughs> like that was uh, a main point that he uh, made in the interview. He's like him and his he had arms. puny arms his hair was caked in dandruff and he had yellow teeth and i was just like man this guy went to town insulting this guy yeah Ugh. and of course like dave was a little more open minded he's like whatever he's just a really big fan of wrestling and he looks up to us you know it he's paying for all of these things to you know Our house gave us a car is, like, helping us out, gave us a job, put together a facility, you Mm -hmm. know? He's, like, whatever. He's just eccentric. Who cares? Um, But, like, DuPont acted like a a giddy little schoolgirl when he was around these guys. He, like, nerded out hard. and Mm -hmm. He was, like, trying to get in there and be, like, yeah, it's a really great technique and, like, thought he could actually, like, wrestle, thought he could actually be a coach, Mm -hmm. which, obviously, no. (laughs) Yeah. Um... But it was also thought that like DuPont kind of was attracted to them in more than just like a idolized way, like maybe sexually in a, sexual a little. Way. Um so he had previously been named in a lawsuit in December of nineteen eighty-eight. The lawsuit, which obviously was settled out of court, claimed that DuPont had made improper sexual advances to a Villanova University assistant coach, Andre Metzger. So, yeah. Uh, Hello. Um, Many people also noticed that DuPont started to kind of get really disruptive in this time period, in the months especially before the murder. Um, One of his security consultants um, kind of like said that he was influenced by one of the guys that was hanging around the gym a lot and said Mm -hmm. that like he was a bad influence. His name was Patrick. Goodall, Goodale, whatever the hell, however you say that, it's a weird name. Um, he said, I never thought the DuPont would be able to shoot somebody, um, let alone push anybody around. Um, but he was on drugs and getting pushed to the point by this, you know, Patrick Goodall guy. Um, right. To just kind of get into all these really terrible things. Um, but you know he kept him around even though his friends were like yeah he's not a good guy he's making you really like paranoid and hyping you up too much and giving you yeah. cocaine
1: that was a big thing was yeah. his paranoia and i you talk i mean he gave these guys everything that you could possibly want for like a good program and i think a lot of it was that they felt like they owed him something right so you can overlook a lot of like weird shit that's happening if you feel like you owe this person something for giving you a job and a place for your family to live and these opportunities to do all this amazing stuff with your wrestling career yeah
0: and at the time like amateur wrestling was not popular people were not putting money into it you were not able to go train at facilities that were really great if you got into college then yeah you would get a little bit more but people who were doing it outside of college after they graduate to get into the olympics yeah like it was all on you you had to pay for everything there were no like the federation wasn't doing shit for people not like the figure skating federation like yeah you were on your own pretty much um so he was, like, the first person to really put money into amateur wrestling. Mm-hmm. And that's why they were, I think, so, like, okay with it. Yeah. Um, but if you kind of <laughs> know anything about DuPont, like, there were indications of his behavior from the start, if you really paid attention. Mm-hmm. So he was only married once, and it was for nine months in 1983. It was annulled after, I think it was, like, three months. Um, They were separated, got annulled, and then they didn't finally get divorced until nineteen eighty seven. Jeez. Yeah, which I was like, how does annulment work then? Yeah. Like, I thought when you annulled it that meant like that was it. That was it. But I guess not. Maybe it's different in different states. Yeah. Um, or maybe annulment is just through the church. Yeah. And not I don't legally. Know. However that works. Never they didn't been married before o- yeah, so I don't know. Never, never have, never will. Um <laughs> like we said before. Yeah. Just a couple of spinsters on a podcast. Oh. Um yeah, so they didn't officially get divorced until nineteen eighty seven, but his ex wife stated that he tried repeatedly to stab her, shoot her, and push her into a fucking fireplace. Like, obviously. Not okay upstairs. There's something going on there. Right. He also, this was a terrible story that I read. He also suffered a really bad horseback riding injury, mm-hmm. which caused permanent damage to his testicles, eventually causing them to be removed. Oh, no. And which is why I think he was like this puny, oh. you know, spastic nerd. Because yeah. this was when he was. In his late 20s. Well, it's probably why he
1: struggled with his
0: masculinity, too. Um, But it was someone had said, I think it was actually Mark Schultz had said that he had prosthetics put in. To make it look and feel like he still had testicles. <laughs> I was
1: like, I mean, that's extra, guys. If, yeah, but if you're wearing those onesies, the singlets. Right? you're going to see balls. Oh, man. You or nothing. Or it could be like a Ken doll down there. You just tuck it under.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if the drag queens can do it. Hey, you know what? My first thought was, you know, Bill. You know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I did the hands. So I didn't want to say it. uh, She just did the hand dance out loud because I was like, "Mm, "Yes, not." (laughs) I censored myself. Um, So (laughs) shocking! (laughs) It's a first. This is a podcast first. Janelle just censored herself. Um, So (laughs) I mean, the good news is you can do little dances while we're recording, and nobody will ever know. (laughs) Right? Ever. Uh, So if you also know anything about the Dupont family. They are really notorious for inbreeding. Not even a joke. Ooh. The Yikes. patriarchy of this family uh, in the early 1900s, I forget what the, it was like his great 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 grandfather or something like that. Um, he was quoted as saying if you don't marry your cousin, you can't call yourself royalty. So he was in this mindset like the DuPont family is American Royals. So Uh, they were intermarrying cousins. And I'm not talking about like sixth cousin twice removed. Like first cousin? First and second cousins. Uh, Fucking disgusting. Are you kidding me? That also kind of gives you a clue as to why his like insanity got real, real, you know, intense. You're doing drugs. But if you already have that sort of... Whatever, you know, kind of inbreeding in you. Yeah. That causes mental issues. Yeah. That's why like so sl- many royals had like disabilities and were right. you know, slow. It's like slight genetic defects. Oh yeah. More than slight. <laughs> well, I mean slight is
1: enough to throw yeah. anything off in your genetic makeup when it comes to that. So
0: yeah. They were marrying cousins. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, it just really ramped up after his mother died, which kind of also gives you an indicator maybe he was a little bit, like, too much into his mother. Yeah. (laughs) Because his father was absent all the time. He never had any male role models whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Like a Norman Bates syndrome. Oh, for fucking sure. Like, definitely psycho. I could imagine him, like... In his mother's mansion, just preserving everything. Because mummy mm. had it here. <laughs> mummy. Um, but so he started to just escalate his behavior. And he started saying that he was seeing ghosts in the walls of his home. And he actually went as far as to have his walls x rayed for ghosts, which I don't know how the fuck that works. No, you um, get a ghost x ray. They sell them on Amazon. Haven't oh, you seen right. Those? Yeah, of course. The ghost
1: x ray, it's like a <laughs> little square thing. And you just run it along your wall like a stud. Oh. It's almost like a stud finder, kind oh, yeah. of. Except for okay. X-ray ghost. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then you yeah. see like the little guy in the sheet. Right? Yeah, in the, it's like uh, a little sheet ghost <laughs> that just pops up on the screen. <laughs> oh like ghost goodness. here. <laughs>
0: um, he also. Asked to be introduced as the Dalai Lama at one world championship wrestling meet. (laughs) What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, the fuck? This guy. He also had this really close relationship with the local law enforcement, and he would often go shooting with some of the police officers, and he actually even received a bulletproof vest from one of them, which is technically illegal, um yeah but this kind of like fueled his gun obsession so he was like super obsessed with guns he carried a firearm with him all the time he was known to just like start shooting off into the sky for like no fucking reason well which... and wasn't
1: the range on the property like yeah, that had the a police used mm-hmm. the town police would just like drive up whenever yeah he and go, go shooting on the property
0: yeah and a shooting gallery it's fucking nuts um, <laughs> so like after the shooting, a lot of the wrestlers who had trained at the Foxcatcher farm said that they actually blamed themselves for not like saying something because they witnessed all these crazy, eccentric behaviors, yeah. And they were like, he needed to seek professional help. And it, Kurt Angle even said, People saw it coming and no one did a damn thing about it, like, they just knew he was pumping money into wrestling and that's all they cared about. And if they didn't, you know, if he didn't be weird or whatever around them then it wasn't their issue but a lot of them were like we really should have said something we really should have had him go seek professional help yeah and then this never would have happened so hindsight yep on the day of the shooting dupont uh was very very erratic the whole day um he actually approached schultz as he was working on his car so he was like underneath his car just kind of tinkering around um as Schultz got up to kind of get out of the car and confront DuPont, he was like kind of really manically talking to him, had his gun pulled. He shot Schultz three times in the chest. And while all this was happening, Schultz's wife was literally standing right fucking there. Jeez, like, yeah. got murdered right in front of his wife. Um, DuPont then, like, ran off and locked himself in his mansion for a two-day standoff. That he negotiated with police. It was. I, I mean, it was. The thing is, they didn't like take it super seriously. Was the issue? Yeah. They, because everyone was so familiar with him, and he, the cops were so not. I don't want to say in bed with him, but were very attached and involved in his dealings. Right. That they were more concerned with him hurting himself than hurting other people. Um. But like he he just shot someone for literally no reason. Like, Mm -hmm. there was never a motive given. They never, ever discussed it. Even in trial, they were just like, he, he, you know, lost it and shot him. It's like, no. Yeah. I always got the impression that it was
1: kind of his paranoia. Like, he may have said something that to DuPont was, like, a triggering like oh my god you're out to get me kind of
0: a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um so in September of 1996, Dupont was ruled incompetent to stand trial as experts testified that he was psychotic and could not participate in his own defense. So he was briefly committed to a mental hospital and in his condition was to be reviewed by the court within 3 months. Mm-hmm. So they were going to submit him just to see if it was like a temporary mental episode or if it was like a long-term thing that was an issue. Um Once the court review came around, one of the defense experts, uh, who was a psychiatrist, described DuPont as a paranoid schizophrenic who believed Schultz was part of an international conspiracy to kill him. Uh, So they actually were like, he had a mental episode like it wasn't something that was building up it was like a brief right kind of temporary like insanity break yeah um, well and
1: i'm sure the drugs and stuff he was taking oh, for sure. did Definitely. not help if that. you have mental
0: issues and you take like drugs like that yeah. it will intensify everything for you yeah um dupont pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity however the insanity defense was thrown out by the court um because they decided that it was only a temporary episode. Mm. Um, So, on February 25th of 1997, a jury found him guilty of third-degree murder, but mentally ill. Now, I was was super confused by this, so I Mm -hmm. looked into it a little bit. Um, So, in Pennsylvania, third-degree murder is, like, the lesser charge, obviously, of first and second degree. Um, First degree means that you're intentionally killing someone. Second degree is, like, during the perpetration of like a felony okay um and indicates like the third is a lack of intent to kill like almost like an accident or just like a spur of the moment kind of thing yeah
1: um
0: and then in pennsylvania the criminal code for insanity applies to someone whose disease or defect leaves him unable to either understand what he has done or to can kind of know that it was wrong in the first place um, gotcha. It's a little confusing. It's different than um so the way when you when you plead guilty by reason of insanity, you're saying that you you will never know, never have never will know that what you did was wrong. When you say that you're you know by defect or whatever says that in that moment you didn't understand what was happening yeah so it was like a it's long term versus like a brief period right is yeah. what my understanding was yeah um very weird, very intricate, I mean, basically they said he was crazy right <laughs> um but yeah, so the verdict uh led to the judge deciding that he was going to be sentenced uh somewhere between thirteen to thirty years of incarceration to be reviewed later, but he was actually housed in a minimum security institution um in the pennsylvania prison system called just just like their state correctional institute Mm -hmm. um so he wasn't considered like a you know a major offender like going to repeat himself or whatever yeah um so he briefly before he went to prison stayed at uh crescent's correctional institute um when he was there, Nancy Schultz, the widow of Dave, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against him, and it kind of stated that he should be sent to a you know more intense institute and have like psychic evaluations done on him. so the um, wrongful death suit was actually settled out of court for an undisclosed settlement, and he was moved to a different facility, but not a maximum security facility as she had wanted. Um, it was reported, though, by the Philadelphia Inquirer that they suspect that the amount Schultz had been paid was $35 million. So, uh, okay. DuPont actually died in prison on December 9th of 2010 at the age of 72 from a pulmonary episode, basically he just had a huge fucking heart attack. Yeah. Um, after his death, he was asked to be dressed in a wrestling singlet for his wake. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so strange. Just uh, like so the worst. strange. Ugh. So the estate was sold off for the most part. All the buildings and houses were demolished. His herds of cows were sold. A part of the land is actually owned by a K through 12 school now. Was he the only um, he child? Ch- yeah, he, he had didn't no children. Siblings. Mm-hmm. No okay. siblings, no children. Okay. Um, the Delaware Museum of Natural History, which he founded, also has a portion of the land, and then the rest was sold off to a developer to be developed for luxury homes. Ew. Um, in his will, he fun fact, he left all of his money to a Bulgarian wrestler. Oh, Jesus. Um, however, his niece and nephew contested the will, stating that he was not of sound mind when it was updated. That's fair. However, okay. when the court went to review this, they went back... Um, four wills, and his niece and nephew were not listed on any of them. So they said that they had no merit, and therefore the lawsuit was dropped. Yeah, Because they weren't in the will originally, so they have no grounds to say that it was... Um, no grounds to contest it, basically.
1: Yeah. yeah. Huh. <laughs> so I wonder where that niece and nephew came from. Was that from his ex-wife's side?
0: I'm assuming so. Um... Cause, I mean, I don't think I'm. Cause what I remember is he had siblings, but they had died, okay. like when they were young, like babies. Oh, okay. So the niece and nephew I'm assuming is from marriage. Cause yeah, they're not to have been. From they're from not his
1: Duponts' wives. Yeah, ex-wives.
0: Side. Which is why I think they were like,
1: well, that's like, wait, I mean, <sighs> good on you to try to make a run at it. Even. Yeah, that's like, you should have known, I think, before that your claims would have been thrown yeah. out. So
0: um, he left all of his money to that wrestler and then the rest of the stuff he's he wanted sold off so that there was nothing left, basically. Yeah. Um, after Schultz's uh, murder, 20 former Fox catcher athletes uh, were basically left without a, a training coach and this was six months before the 1996 Olympic Games. Dang! So Schultz's widow founded the Dave Schultz wrestling club in March of that year to sponsor the stranded wrestlers through the Olympics. Wow so basically she like took that money that's amazing. that she got and like made sure that all those wrestlers were able to get to the Olympics and still, you know have a coach to help them. Mm-hmm. Um the club actually succeeded beyond their initial goal and it continued to train athletes in both men's and women's freestyle and roman greco wrestling until it closed in 2005. So it was about almost a 10 year run. Yeah. Um among the wrestlers who competed under Dave Schultz's WC sponsorship were Kurt Angle, a Olympic gold medalist, um Brandon Slay and bronze medalist Patricia Miranda. And world champion Stephen Neal. So these were all like big wow, names in wrestling. Yeah. Um, since Schultz's death, the USA Wrestling has hosted the annual Dave Schultz Memorial International Wrestling Meet at the United States Olympic Training Center in Colorado. Um, in 1997, Schultz was posthumously inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame as a distinguished wow. member. Very cool. And. Fun fact, uh, Kurt Angle, who eventually transitioned into professional wrestling, his outfit that he wore for the professional wrestling, when he, I think it was the WWF back then before it became the WWE, yeah. um, the singlet that he wore was in tribute to Schultz. It was his colors, his singlet, basically, yeah. that they redid. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so... That's the Foxcatcher Farm murderers, guys.
1: Did you want to <laughs> highlight the Foxcatcher uh, team? Fa- fa- <laughs> hold on, team Foxcatcher documentary on yeah. Netflix.
0: So there is a Foxcatcher documentary on Netflix. They also put out a Foxcatcher like movie that had Steve Carell and yeah. what's his fucking name, Mark Ruffalo, and oh my god, who did Magic Mike? What's his name? <laughs>
1: Oh, man. I am totally blinking out right now. Channing Tatum,
0: fuck Channing me. Channing Tatum. Okay, I don't mean actually wow. fuck me. Gross. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you want. I don't like guys that look like hot dogs. Oh, what? Um, <laughs> I think yeah. he looks like a hot yeah. dog. Um, <laughs> it's just all his muscles. Yeah. When you're, like, so muscly and you have, like, a straight haircut, you look like a hot dog. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's there was a lot of controversy when that, like, fictionalized version of the... You know, events came out because they made it seem like um, the Schultz brothers were like maybe being molested, basically, Mm. by DuPont. They kind of put this like really weird sexual spin on it. Yeah. And, you know, the surviving Schultz brother was like, that is not how it went. There's, right. He like made a, a list of thirty things that were not correct in the movie. Yeah, which you can look up, and it just goes through and it's like, this never happened, this never happened, this never happened, and it was just like he didn't like the way that they portrayed the relationships between them and Dupont. Yeah, it was very like professional, and they made it seem like it was much more close and like sexualized. Yeah, yeah. But definitely check out the documentary. The documentary Team, is very good. Uh, Team
1: Foxcatcher. Yes, because it gives you um i mean the everything that you touched on (laughs) was a lot but there is so much much to that story and they have a lot of footage from them Mm -hmm. like training and you can kind of see dupont interacting with the wrestlers and like Mm -hmm. you kind of get an idea of how big the property was it was very well done um and really really interesting i really recommend that you guys check it out Mm -hmm. for sure Now, Janelle. Janelle, Janelle, Janelle.
0: Yes. Vicky, Vicky, Vicky.
1: (laughs) I am, like, literally almost out of podcasts to listen to. Shut the fuck up. At work. How are you doing this? It's because I have eight hours a day to listen to podcasts. Mm, I have eight hours a day to listen and not work. (laughs) I mean, I also work, but I also listen. Drag and drop. (laughs) It's art. It's art. (laughs) All I gotta do is art. Right. (laughs) But, I mean... Is there anything else out there that I could listen to?
0: Maybe. Maybe. I feel like there's a list that we have access to of all these great podcasts. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? What? We're going to show that to you. Right now. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Where can you get hot takes about ghosts, cryptids, farts, and cats? I don't know. Where? On our podcast, Spoop Hour. Oh, that's right. Each week, we talk about the things that spook us out, and we laugh through our fear. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour, and you can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or really anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Feel free to also drop us a line at SpoopHour at gmail.com. We want to hear about your ghosts. Thanks. Thanks. That was really great, Vicky. Yeah. That was amazing. I'm um, going to have to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, guys, we have some very big news, upcoming news. Mm-hmm. Um, as many of you know, we have been doing this for a little bit, a little while. Like like almost a year? Almost. Almost. That's right. Yeah. We are coming up on our one year anniversary of the Bad Taste Crime Cast yeah. being in existence. What is your existence. first year anniversary? Um, is it like I don't know. glass? Hot dogs. Silver? No. Lamps. Gold? Watermelon.
0: <laughs> you better get me couches, a glass plate. <laughs> cars.
1: Yes. Diamonds. Ooh,
0: a diamond anniversary. Send us
1: diamonds.
0: <laughs> yes. Blood diamonds Blood. only. Oh. oh.
1: oh. <laughs> Fair trade coffee. Yes. How about that? <laughs> but Janelle has planned Whoa. something exciting. <laughs> what I always
0: do. I plan things and then I inform you later. And I'm then sorry. She I feel like my dress me. is like falling no, down. No, it's fine.
1: I just love staring at your tatas. I know. I was like, you have full view of my cleavage because the mic Show is me blocking tata. my face. Can I get a little face. shimmy? <laughs> shimmy, shimmy. If I shimmy, the straps <laughs> of this might literally okay, that's pink fair. right <laughs> off of me. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like... So how about that big (laughs) announcement?
0: Anyway, um, so for our one-year anniversary, I am going to hold a contest for you guys. If you write an iTunes review, or if you want to send us a review through the Bad Taste Crimecast at Gmail, or if you're on another podcast platform and you leave a review, send us a picture, tweet at us, however you want to inform us. You'll be entered automatically into a contest, and on our anniversary episode, we will... Announce who gets to win a Bad Taste Crime Cast t-shirt. We
1: will randomly pick a winner from those who leave us a comment.
0: Yeah, so get your comments in, tell your friends. Yeah. You'll get a pretty badass t-shirt. It's going to be like, Bad Taste Crime Cast. Yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. and then you can wrap it wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, tell all the people. Be friend of the pod. This is the best podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did we have, there was a shout out too? Yeah, we don't have any reviews to read this week, but they'll come in, don't you worry. Um, (laughs) I have have to go back onto my Twitter. I like closed out of it so that my phone wouldn't die just in case I get stranded in this fucking blizzard outside. Oh my god. Uh, (laughs) So true. You know me, gotta be extra. So we had Hannah on Twitter, uh, at Miss Drifty. Um, she was like, "Who did your vintage horror logo? I love it." And I was like, "Girl, oh. Vicky is our personal graphic designer. Well, thank so, you." So we just want to say thanks, Hannah, for appreciating yeah, thank you. our art and our podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so really this is sweeter. what I do
1: for my real job,
0: my real life job. Yeah, it's like almost for professionals or something. Yeah, it's like the other <laughs> thing that I do besides the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that makes it sound really sad. All I do is doodle and podcast. I mean, that is like basically all that I
1: doodle. do. Uh, I'm the one who makes the terrible you puns have in You not had a single one all episode, I so I had to fill in the gap somewhere. I had to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah,
0: well, you know. Yeah, so that was my shout-out. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Anna. If you guys liked this episode, you can find this and many, many more for downloading and your listening pleasure over at thebadtastecrimecast.com. Yes. Actually, just badtastecrimecast.com, yeah. <laughs> not the go on and check it out. You can find all the past episodes there. If you want to support the podcast, maybe Patreon. a monetary <laughs> donation. Mm-hmm. Um it basically just covers the cost of our web hosting and yeah. domain I mean, name and all that. And if you want to be shit. generous
0: and donate enough so we can go to CrimeCon this year, I won't complain. Janelle is all about going to CrimeCon. <laughs> I'm Crime trying Con. so hard. I will. She is. My yes. brother lives in Nashville. It's in Nashville this year. I'm going it to would Nashville be in March. Perfect. If I could get tickets and just stay at my brother's house, there you go. You know, I'm oh, working I didn't on it. Think about that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> if any of this sounds great. Um, we do have a Patreon. You can find the Bad Taste Crime Cast on there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you maybe don't want to be a recurring don- donor and you just want to give us a one-time donation, you can do that as well. We have a PayPal. Thebadtastecrimecast@gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. We are also on Facebook and Instagram
0: the bad the bad
1: taste crime cast on twitter at bt crime cast yes uh if you put in
0: bad taste you'll find us it's (laughs) no yeah i was like oh that's great
1: oh wait is that great
0: we're just it is if you go on to itunes to search for us and you put in bad taste for the first thing that comes up get that seo (laughs) yeah that's what we need Yes, and we're we're going real hard to get like us on some more like Android friendly platforms. Yes, yeah, so. we are also on Pocket Cast, Podcast Republic,
1: po- uh, Podcast Addict, yeah, and uh, Radio Player FM. I think should mm-hmm. be updated. So I mean, like, we are definitely out there. If there's stuff that you guys use and you're not finding us, let mm-hmm. us know, and yeah. I will get on it. I've been having a lot of fun fighting with. <laughs> Um, owners of websites to get our podcast updated. So yeah. that's been a good time. We literally
0: had someone at work be like, I don't have an iPhone. How could I even leave you a review? And I was yeah. like, whoa. Unfortunately, okay. iTunes is really Apple. the <laughs> only
1: like platform that mm-hmm. consistently has like a some sort of commenting system. Yeah. So it's super weird. I don't know. Google Play needs to add that, but whatever. Yeah,
0: I mean, you can always send it to our email and we'll definitely... Definitely read it out loud and put you in the contest too. For sure. So yeah. For sure. We appreciate yep. comments. <laughs> um
1: we want to give a special thanks to two people who we could not do this without. Absolutely not. Our sound and editing is done by Tiff Weech. Our music is done by Jason Zakchewski, the Enigma. <laughs>
0: Thank All you right. So much for enthusiastically coming in here. To-
1: <laughs> Tip had my back. I was slacking on that one. Um, that is our show for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed the Olympics I and like our times the Olympic national
0: anthem at the end of coverage. This. <laughs> no, come on, no. What about the We're Olympic not that games kind theme of podcast? song? <laughs>
1: we might get sued by the IOC. What? No. <laughs> Just a blip, like a five second. blip.
0: <laughs> we will see
1: you in two weeks. Goodbye. and godspeed
0: godspeed It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town. We are all in some form or another.